Now, this is uh, this tenth and eleventh verse can be very vague without the context of all uh, of verse of chapters one, two, and three, and and all of chapter four and a lot of chapter five, because chapter five goes right into uh, the same thing that we're talking about. Uh, but anyway, uh, he says. In verse 10, for he that is entered into his rest. Now he is meaning Christ. Now this is, this is talking about Christ's rest. And this, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. It was interesting to me, even though it was, it's, it's kind of difficult, but it was interesting to me, uh, when the Lord gave me some understanding of it. But this is, um, Christ mimicked his father in the rest. In other words, in other words, I'll just tell you is this in a nutshell. Maybe the rest of it will mean something to you. Uh, in, in a nutshell, Christ, when he finished his work here on earth, he rested, and just as his father did. He he said, "I do as the father did," and so he he, he entered into his rest uh, there after he finished this. The rest Christ entered into is his own. It's his own rest, which cannot be said of the believer. Now, this is why that he's not talking about every believer here when he says, uh, for if Jesus, when he says there in the 10th verse, for he that is entered into his rest, uh, he's not talking about any, any, any individual uh, not talking, he's talking about one particular individual, and, and that is Christ. Uh, so this was Christ's own rest. This was his rest that, that he had set for himself. The believer enter, enters into God's rest and not his own. Uh, that's, that's the difference in Christ's rest and our rest, is, is that our rest belongs to God. God is the one that, that owns our rest. Well, Christ owned his own rest. Christ, Christ did as the Father did. He entered his own rest. Like the Father entered into his rest after completing the work of creation, Christ entered into his rest after the work of bringing redemption to his own. Yeah, when, when he finished up, when, when, when he said, he, he said uh, on, on the tree there, he says, it is finished. And he's talking about the, but the, the finishing there was was him dying and him him doing what the father would have him do up to that point. But then you read further on and you find that uh, he also resurrected from the dead, which which the Bible teaches us that that he 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 he, uh, he made his own uh, uh, resurrection. He, 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 he was able to resurrect himself. And, and so we learn that, that that's also a part of the redemptive, the redemption that Christ brought to us. Christ entered into his rest. Now, understand this. Christ entered into his rest neither after he died on the tree nor after he was put in the grave, but after he arose from the dead and ascended unto the Father and is resting at the right hand of the Father, satisfied that he had done 
done a complete and a glorious work for those given to him by the Father. Now, that's that's where his rest, that's where his rest, when, when he sat down on the right hand of the Father, then that's when his rest began at that particular time because he did the works. He finished, he finished, he finished the work of dying, of dying for his people. And then he was resurrected from the dead, and, and he's at the right hand throne of the Father, right hand of the Father right now, intercessing for his children. And he's in rest right now, in that rest period. Now, the, the second part of this verse says, For he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. That's, 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 that's what he did. He has ceased from his own works. He has ceased from his own works just as a father ceased from his own works. What works had Christ done? What, what works had he done? What, what, you, you, if you wrote a book about and, 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 and wrote everything that Christ did, while he was here, then the Bible plainly says itself there wouldn't be enough room to hold the writings uh, uh, that, that, that he did, the things that he did here. But some of the things that, that we know about considering, considering our salvation, he, he had taken the gospel message to the world. He did that. And, and, and you'll notice as we go through this, these are some of the same things he expects out of us. That's the same thing he, he told us in, in the book of, of, of Mark, 16th chapter. He says, preach a gospel to every creature. And so that's exactly what he did. He took the gospel to the world as, 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 he, was, uh, as he did his work. He, he had performed many miracles, many, many miracles. He had performed many as, as an evidence of who he was and who he is. He had sealed redemption for his own, given him before the foundation of the world. He, he did all of that. He did all of that while he was here, which, which amounted to three and a third years of work. But what he did was, I mean, all, all he had to do was just speak, and, and things happened. I mean, when, when we go through, when, if you go through the scriptures, I thought about it, I said, well, I'll go through some of the scriptures, but then that's just too much. You know, he he stilled the waters when when the disciples were out there on the ship, and and Peter wanted to walk on the water. He stilled the waters. He 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 stilled. Uh, uh, he he did all these things. Whatever he spoke and, and and did, he did it. You know, when 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 somebody was when it came up on somebody to heal, he just spoke it and he healed them. That was his work. That's what he was sent here to do, and he never faltered. And I'm going to say this. He never faltered one time at all the work that he did. He did it perfectly. And and sad to say, God expects the same thing out of us. He really does. You know, he says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That is a lifetime of work. That is a lifetime of work. You know, we, we find ourselves many times, you know, we don't, we don't love God like we should. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't love our neighbor as we should. And we try to be good. We try to be right. 
We try to do things right, but, but we're imperfect people. And it's very difficult, but that's what God expects out of us. Uh, when we think sometimes that God's okay, God's okay with if I do this, God's never okay with anything we do outside of what we do for him. He's never okay for anything. God never, God never puts his stamp of approval upon anything that we do outside of what he has told us to do. What that means is, is when we do things we shouldn't do, God doesn't put his stamp of approval upon that. He, he, does, he doesn't agree with that. And so thereby, uh, this is all the work that Christ did. Um, he, um, his work is completed, and he will not come back and die for those who claim that he did not do a complete work, for they must have him come back and do the work again, for they had lost their salvation. Now, you, you hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. You know, uh, as I said before, and I've said it many times over the years, the man that prays every day, and, and I asked him, I said, why do you pray every day to be saved? He said, because I get up in the mornings, I've done something, I'm lost. He said, I, I've, I've done something the day before, and I'm lost today. And, but let me tell you, folks, just like I told him, I told him, I said, Jesus is not going to come back and die again for you. He completed his work. He completed all of his work. That's what the rest represents. The rest represents that God did exactly what God set out to do. He did it perfectly when he created the world. He, he created a perfect world. Everything was perfect world. Everything works. And, and you don't think God created a perfect world. You know, you just get into your brain. And, and look, and there's people today still don't understand the brain. They don't understand how the brain works. But God knows how it works. He created it. He created just exactly the, the way he created, and, and it's perfect. It's perfect. I know that things happen. I know that certain things happen that, that mess our brains up, especially when you get older. You know, you get older, and, and, and you start, you start uh, being, having dementia and stuff like that. But God created the brain perfect. Created perfect, but men don't understand it. We, we don't understand it, and so... Thereby, you know, we, we don't necessarily understand the work that he has done. He, he, he had, he had sealed redemption for those. And, but he's, some, some people believe that you can have salvation today and lose it tomorrow. Or you can have salvation this week and lose it next week. Depend on what you do. You know, there are certain sins. I've asked, I've asked people before over the years, I said, what sin would you commit that you lose your salvation? And they, they, they've got it all down. They got it all down. Not all sins. Not all sins because I, I told a story one time of a man that, uh, that I was talking to when I was pastoring, uh, in, uh, uh, in Kentucky. A man I was talking to, he was sitting in his yard smoking. And, and, uh, and I sat down to chair, a chair beside him. I sat down in the chair beside him. And he'd take puff off that cigarette and, and he'd blow the smoke out. And, uh, we, we got talking and he said, well, he said, preacher, I, I witnessed to him. He said, well, preacher, he said, uh, uh, I'm saved. And, and, and I, I said, I said, but you believe that you can be lost. 
because I knew, I knew what he'd been taught. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I can be lost. I said, what sins is it that will cause you to be lost? And he started telling, going over cursing and, 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 uh, and uh, saying God's name in vain. He went over all the things he could think of that would take his salvation away from him. And I said, well, what about smoking? He said, oh, no, no. He said, that's, he said, that's just one, one of the infirmities of the flesh that, that I can't help. I said, well, you don't, you don't think maybe that cursing is sometimes an infirmity of the flesh? It is. If, 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 if a man thinks he's lost by chewing tobacco, then he's lost by smoking too. If, if he believes that, but he didn't believe that. You see, that's what I was talking about Sunday, those of you that were here Sunday and heard the message. I was talking about Sunday. People make out their own list of what they can do and what they can't do. They, 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 they make, they, they make their own, they make their own rules and regulations. That's what's right and what's not. Don't make no difference what the preacher says. No difference what the Bible says. They make them out for their own, for themselves. These are the rules that I think is okay. God's not going to be angry with me if I do this, if I do that. Well, that's the same way these folks are. Same way they are. Christ said, and listen to this, he said this in Luke 13, 25. said, when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence are. I know you not. You know, this is people that try to, this is people that try to get in after they've claimed they've been in one time. Another, another scripture verse is in, in Hebrews 6. Just turn over a page there in your Bible. In Hebrews 6, I want to read this. Now listen to this. This is something else. Hebrews 6, the beginning in verse 4. He said, if it is impossible, for those, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted, and that's what these people go on. Oh, we've got the Holy Ghost. Made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come if they shall fall away, which he said that, go back up to verse 4, he said it's impossible he said, but he said, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. He's not going to come back and die again. If you wake up one morning and realize you're lost after, after, you, have, after you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you have tasted of the good gifts of salvation, you wake up one morning and you feel like you're lost, Something like a Christ not going to come back and die again for you. There's other remedies. There's other remedies for that. There's other remedies for that. But but just remember this as we get on further over in the scriptures. Uh, there's chastisement. Also comes with, with those things such as that. 
But, but he says it's impossible. It's impossible that, that a man can, can, can lose his salvation once he's saved. He can't do it because if he did, then the only way he could ever be saved again is Christ have to come back and die again. He's not going to do that. He, he's not, he's not going to, the suffering that Christ made, he made it once for all, the scripture, the psalm says. Once for all. That's all. That's it. He's not going to come back and die again for you. If you, if you go to Landmark Baptist Church for four, 30, 40 years, then you wake up one morning and realize I'm not saved, then wh- what was wrong with the first time? What was wrong with the first time when you maybe walked to church aisle and said, the Lord has saved me? And you said it for 40 years, the Lord has saved me, the Lord has saved me, the Lord has saved me, and then you all of a sudden you realize that you're lost. Well, that's covered in the that's covered in the eleventh verse of of, uh, of Hebrews. That's covered in the eleventh verse. He says he says over here in verse eleven he says, "Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, the same rest that God was in, the same rest that Christ was in. We can enter into that same rest." In, uh, in other words, we can be satisfied. We must be satisfied with what happened maybe, maybe years ago. You know, my testimony, I was saved March 27, 1967. That, that's an important time in my life. Important time in my life. I can't go back in a year or two from now and say, well, I really wasn't saved then. Because I'm so confused now, I, I'm not speaking of myself, but I said I, I would be so confused now that I wouldn't know what was right. That's what we get into. That's what we get into when we listen to other people start telling us about, well, you can lose your salvation. Oh, I've had them argue with me up and down. I had a man that uh, I'm going to say where he worked. He worked for Little Debbie. He argued with me one morning. Up and down. So he wanted to talk to him. And he came over and talked to me. And he said, I understand you believe in election and predestination. I said, I do. He said, in other words, you believe that once a man is saved, he can never lose that again because he was chosen in Christ for the foundation of the world. I said, I sure do believe that. He said, I don't believe that. And he wanted to argue with me. I said, well, are you saved? He said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I guess he, I should have said, are you saved today? He said, oh, yes, I'm saved. But he said, I don't believe what you believe about it. Well, that's where you get confused. When you start talking with people, when you start, I don't care if they're family members, I don't care what they are, I don't care who they are, you start talking to them and they start confusing you about what you believe and what you stand for, you better you better be sound in what you believe. Or they're going to have you so confused, you're not going to know which way to turn. Let us labor. Therefore, to enter into that, that rest, this, this is the rest we have now when we're assured in our hearts that Christ has died for us, went to the grave for us, resurrected from the dead for us, and is now on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Jesus, once you were saved, in March 27, 1967, turn back with me to John, the the 14th chapter. 
John the 14th chapter. And I want to read something there. Here, here, here is what Christ began his work to do for you and for me. He says, let not your heart be troubled. There you go. Don't, don't, don't get in a shape to where your heart is troubled. Because you'll get in a terrible shape. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And, and if, and for, if it were not so, I would, I would have, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And old Thomas, old Thomas said, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. Thomas was a, was one of those doubters. Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus said unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're truly saved today, you were saved when you were saved, and you were, you're still saved today, and you were saved when you were saved, you're still saved today. There's no use, there's no use in getting down about it. There's no, there's no use in getting all worked up about it because if you, if you, if you were saved March 27, 1967, like I was, this is when Christ promised me he's going to build me a mansion. He's going to set aside a mansion for me. And all these 50, soon be 54 years, I have banked upon that very same thing. And and as Joseph prayed earlier today as all the years that I've been in the ministry, you know, and uh, I have banked upon that very thing. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll bank up on that until I leave this world, and then I'll know what's going to take place. I'll know what's taking place. You see, we can enter into that. We labor that we can enter into that rest. Let me tell you, folks. Now, I, I want to say this. God will give you assurance. I, I had trouble with assurance. The first, probably the first year I was saved, I had trouble with assurance. But God gave me assurance. But let me tell you something, folks. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, God can take that away from you too. That assurance is a blessing. It's a blessing to have assurance. It's a blessing to be able to lay your head down at night and know that if you don't wake up next morning, that you're going to uh, be in heaven. It, it, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that God that God gives to all of His children. Assurance is a blessing, but He can take that assurance away from you. He can He can make you to where you don't know who you are. That's chastisement. Labor, let us labor, therefore, to enter into this rest. That's that that we we can enter into that rest. Because if you're in that rest, that's perfection. If you're in that rest, if you're in the same rest God had, God the Father, if you're in the same rest Jesus the Son, and if you're the same rest that, that the Holy Spirit uh, brings to us, if you're in that same rest, then it's a wonderful thing. 
This is the rest that we have now when we're assured in our hearts that Christ has died for us, went to the grave for us, resurrected from the dead for us, and is now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's the assurance that we have. That's the assurance that we know is there. That's the assurance that we have. Are you sure about yourself, or do you go through every day, every day just wondering, well, if, like the lady did in Kentucky, I won't mention her name over this. She's gone now, but I know she's got children that I'm very close to. But the lady would call me every day, and she would say, I'm afraid I'm not going to have it when I get up there. I'm afraid I'm not going to have what I need when I get up there. And, and I would tell her. I called her sister. I said, Sister so-and-so, I said, uh, uh, that's something that God has to give you assurance. God has to give you assurance. He, she said, well, I don't guess God's ever given it to me. I said, God's got to give you that assurance. As the old song states, he is with me in my trials. Best of friends is he. I can always count on Jesus. Can he always count on me? I am satisfied. I am satisfied. I am satisfied with Jesus. But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is my master satisfied with me? See, that, that's the thing. I've said this many times over the years. You better be sure God is satisfied with you. And I want to tell you, the way some people live their lives, he's not satisfied with it. He's not satisfied with it. You may be satisfied with him, but he may not be satisfied with you. This is the last part of that verse 11. He says, let any man, I'm, I'm sorry, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. Oh, yeah. Now, let, let, listen to this carefully now. We get our example of unbelief from the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness 40 years. This is, a, this is simply a warning to all those who profess salvation to constantly make their salvation an election sure. We ought, we ought to work on that every day we live. Every day we live, we ought to make that calling an election sure. Lest we are those who fall into unbelief. We can say we are saved, but we can also not be steadfast in gospel truth of living a gospel, a godly life. It is impossible to fall from grace. Now listen to this. It is impossible to fall from grace once a person is saved. However, it is also possible that truly saved person, a truly saved person can fall short of what their Heavenly Father expects of them. That's what he means in falling in the example of unbelief. Example of unbelief, you know. If we don't believe it's important for us to live a godly life every day and everything we do, then, uh, then we are uh, we're in that group of unbelief. The sin of unbelief is chastised as any other sin is chastised. And I'm going to tell you, folks, God can mix you up in a hurry. God can mix you up in a hurry. He can mix you up in a hurry to where you don't know what you are. 
You don't know who you are. I've talked to many people over the years that, that they, they've gotten themselves so mixed up. I believe the people were saved. But they've gotten themselves so mixed up by this, doing this, and doing that, and doing this, reading this, reading that, falling after that, falling after this, that they get so confused they don't know which way they're going. You can get like that. But that is chastisement. That is chastisement. There's no way God says of one of the first things Paul said, one of the first thing God gives us when he saves us is a sound mind. Well, what happens when that mind gets all mixed up? You can't mix your mind up. God mixed it up, though. God can mix it up. You, you can't deal with your mind. You can't change your mind. You can't change what you believe, what you what, what goes on in your mind? You can't change it. You might think you can, but you can't. God is the only one that can fix it. God's the only one that can fix it. And must pray that God will do that. Unbelief without chastisement is a sure evidence of no salvation. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm, I'm going to close. Those some maybe some six million Jews who wandered in the wilderness. All those that died that were twenty years and over, were they lost or saved? There you go. But why did they have to wander in the wilderness for forty years? Didn't know where they were going. One couldn't understand nothing. Couldn't understand nothing. Well, we just passed that yesterday. We we're going to buy it again. Forty years. We just passed that. We just went by that yesterday. Why, why are we going by it again? What, what, where are we going? Where are we going? What are we doing? Where are we going? We don't know where are we going. We don't know what we're doing. Another thing they didn't know, they didn't know why they were doing that. I'm, I'm not saying that all of them were saved, but I think all of them were, should have been saved. That was chastisement for unbelief. Chastisement for unbelief. God put them out there wandering around for 40 years not knowing where they were going or which way they were going. May God bless you and thankful that you came today and those you...